Dotnet Rocks episode 731 with guest Scott Hanselman. Recorded live Friday, December 16th, 2011. This episode is brought to you by Telerik and by Franklin's.net, training developers to work smarter and now offering video training on Silverlight 4 with Billy Hollis and SharePoint 2010 with Sahil Malik. Order online now at franklins.net. And now here are Carl and Richard. Thank you very much and welcome back to .NET Rocks. It's Carl and Richard. We're having a good time. What's up, Mr. Campbell? I am enjoying myself. Hey, it's the new year, right? Because we're doing the time shifting thing. So I know we're recording before Christmas, but it's January now. You are correct, sir. And uh, why don't we just jump right in to Better Know Framework? Hit me. All right, what do you got? Well, uh, I went spelunking to try to find something that in the .NET framework that I'd never experienced before. Ah, doing a little flashback piece, are you? Yeah, yeah. So this is in .NET 4. Uh, I'm not sure where it showed up, but um, it is the HTML bridge, hmm. which provides interaction between HTML and managed code in a word making Silverlight scriptable by JavaScript. Weird. You can expose complete managed types to JavaScript for scripting. You can expose individual methods of managed types to JavaScript. You can pass managed types as parameters to JavaScript functions and objects and return types from JavaScript. Yep. You can assign managed types as event handlers, which are callable from JavaScript. And you can call those event handlers from managed types. Uh, you can control various security aspects of your Silverlight-based application. If you want to read about this, it's in the docs. Just go to tinyurl.com slash htmlbridge, and that'll bring you to the docs in MSDN Online. Ah, wow. You found yourself a little-known corner of the framework, didn't you? Yeah. Very interesting, because it sounds very WinJS, too, right? It does, like the, doesn't it? Yeah. The, you can see where Microsoft's repurposed some technology here. It's very cool. Well, enjoy it. Know Excited. it. Learn it. Love it. Richard, who's talking to us? I know you do. I have grabbed a comment off of show 712, uh, which was Scott Allen's show talking about Modernizer. Uh, This comment is from Chuck Bryan, who said, uh, What appropriate timing. Just this week, I went to a client site to install my shiny new MVC3 application. I realized the mistake when I loaded up the site in IE8, and the styles were missing. Don't! I know, shame on me for not testing on other browsers, but this is one of those times where I was working fast and furious and just forgot. Me culpa. I ran the site in Firefox just to be sure and quickly figured out that it was an HTML5 CSS3 thing. I've been following Scott's Modernizer's post and I thought, what gives? I'm using Modernizer. I felt like Lando Colorzine, the end of Empire Strikes Back. It's not my fault. Hanging my head in shame. I guess that's too old a reference there. That's like the 1980s. So, you know, I think, <laughs> I you know, I know it. You know it. I bet you Chuck knows it. But, you know, if you weren't around in the 1980s to watch Empire Strikes Back, you don't know it. Way back in the 1980s. Way, way back. It's about. Let me continue. Yeah. Hanging my head in shame, I went back to the office to begin my research. I looked in my layout file and saw that I did have Modernizer, but I had moved it, along with other scripts, to the bottom of the page. Once I moved it back to the top, it was pure joy and fist pumps. I was happy to hear Scott mention this near the end of the show. I find modernizer to be pure awesomeness. Well, Chuck, can't argue with you there. I like modernizer a lot. They're doing good things, but you're right. It needs to be at the top of the page where there's lots of other scripts that can go at the bottom of the page. You got to be careful what you move. But for your admission of guilt, 
and some affluent praise, I'll send you a mug, .NET Rocks kind. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, just write a comment on the show of your choice at .NET Rocks.com. And before we introduce Scott, I need to tell you that Pluralsight provides comprehensive developer training online. They have nearly 200 hardcore developer training courses authored by MVPs and industry experts such as those you hear on the show. They release 8 to 10 new courses every month, and they have a free 10-day trial where you can sample 200 minutes of their entire catalog. Pluralsight offers a full curriculum on web development with over 20 courses on ASP.NET and 10 courses on jQuery, JavaScript, and HTML5 programming. Try Pluralsight today. Subscription plans start at just $29 a month. And with that, let's introduce our guest, Mr. Scott Hanselman. Who? Of Hanselman, it's fame, and before that, of ComputerZen.com, and now of Microsoft fame. How are you, man? I'm well. That's a lot of fame. There's a lot of fame. You there's got a lot, there's so much fame on this call, <laughs> in this show. <laughs> Not even a little bit comfortable with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. So, um, so what's new? Uh, you, you do so many things so much and you blog so much. It's very hard to keep up with you. What you're doing. What are you doing lately? That's really got you excited. Well, how time shifted army. This is like, we're a couple months in the future and this is my birthday now. Is that what's happening? Nah, uh, it's, it's a second, month. second week of January. Um, I work for, uh, one of the many Scots, uh, at Microsoft right now. There's only one Scott. Well, there's, there's actually, there's Scott, but then there are the lesser Scots. <laughs> ah, there's the Scott and the seven dwarf Scots. All right. So I am one of the lesser, I'm one of Scots of the lesser. <laughs> <laughs> Which one are you, sleepy or dopey? Yeah. You think that that's a joke and that's in fact not a joke at all. They, okay. they actually refer to us as the lesser Scots lesser as a Scots. collective. There are it, lots of you there though. There are lots of Scots. There are, uh, including the my bosses going up like three levels are all Scots before they get to the actual hmm. original Scott. Um, so I work in web platform and tools, which is now Azure. And actually, a lot of people get confused about that. Like, I was talking to some folks at a presentation I gave in Canada recently, and they said that, uh, so Scott Goo left. Where did he go? I was like, well, no, Scott is in Azure. Okay, where are you guys? He left. He left ASP.NET, right? Well, no, he took all 600 of us with him. Mm. So, in, in fact, all angle brackets are underneath Scott Guthrie, which is cool. So, any any angle bracket or curly brace generation is still under Scott Guthrie. So, ASP.NET, IIS, all of us, we're all in Azure. So, Azure then, sense. I guess, has expanded its definition of what it manages. Is that what you're trying to say? Well, I guess I would say is that you could either say we've moved under Azure or Azure has moved over us. Yeah, and that's what I'm thinking. Right. So like before there was Azure and then there was uh, IIS and ASP.NET and we were in different divisions. And now since Azure is like Windows in the cloud, mm. then an ASP.NET is one of the many and Node and all these other things are things to make curly braces and angle brackets from either Windows or Azure. We're kind of all in the same group. So really, it's more of an organized thing. And then people will say, well, Scott hasn't been blogging. Well, he's been doing stuff. He's been actually working. So he's off saving the world and making Azure a, a better place for the children. Uh, and we all work for him now. So it's actually pretty cool. It, it's worked out really nicely. We had um, this this week in the present or in the future in a month from now, it will be five weeks ago, we had a very nice release of... Uh, 
Windows Azure with lots and lots of new improvements and better publishing and faster performance and Node and open source in the cloud and the SDKs are on GitHub. So yeah. lots of lots of cool stuff going on. Node is especially cool in getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of lip service these days. We um, we, we uh, did a show on Node JS and man, just very exciting stuff. And now, of course, well, Azure has fully embraced it. Yeah, well, and, and Azure is not about Node, but Azure is about making anything that could go in the cloud awesome in the cloud. Yeah. So, like, I know that that Node's really exciting. Node JS, of course, server side JavaScript. But people then overreact and think, well, that is that a new thing? Do I do I need to know that? Is that uh, is that something that I that I need to throw away all my ASP.NET and start doing that? It's just another kind of vehicle, right? I mean, mm-hmm. someone came out with a three wheeled car. Are you going to throw away your four wheeled car? You know, it's just, it's a different kind of a deal. Uh, Node is cool, but it's a tool in the toolkit. So I really want people to start thinking about, um, carrying around a toolkit of a number of different things, of which one is Node. But another one might be like SignalR, which is the real time mm. framework that we use on, um, in ASP.NET, which gives you Node like real time, uh, long polling and web sockets with ASP.NET. And it doesn't require you to have any, uh, a node if you don't want it. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of tools out there. Use the one that makes you happy is the point. Well, and, and so I guess my question then is, so what else is a tool in that catalog? You've mentioned Node and, and SignalR. Are there other comparable tools? I mean, obviously different, but comparable. Well, okay, so comparable tools to Node, there's there's lots of frameworks that do real-time. That's just one aspect of Node. Mm-hmm. The other aspect of Node is being able to do um, non-blocking IO and having an event model that makes sense to the JavaScript programmer. And mm-hmm. then also things like, uh, like I said, real time is in quotes, kind of real time communication, but long polling or, uh, WebSocket style communication. The one that, uh, if you wanted to like get into that kind of stuff and do it in, in ASP.NET and didn't want to mess with, mess around with another framework, uh, you would use SignalR. Right. Um, S-I-G-N-A-L-R. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is kind of one of the quote unquote pillars of .NET, in in in, the, in my opinion, in the new .NET. Like I'm trying to kind of think about ASP.NET in um in a more unified way, rather than a bunch of different frameworks that 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 end up splintering the community, where there's like web forms people, and then they never talk to MVC people, and then they never talk to web pages people. We've got a lot of tools in the ASP.NET kit. Web forms, web pages, MVC, web API, you know, WCF web API, um, SignalR, uh, jQuery mobile, and, you know, on and on and on, you know, knockout JS. If you were to pick just one, then yeah, it would, ASP.NET would be kind of a lonely, a lonely world. But if they all work together really nicely and you could pick one here and one there, then that would be pretty cool. And in fact, you can. So if you're putting together a website and you want to do the whole thing in web forms, cool. And then you want to add a real-time chat system, add SignalR. Then you want to add an API and maybe make like a Twitter type API and do some JSON. Maybe throw in a web API. And then maybe you want to add some dynamic pages that someone could change uh, really easily, like a poor man's CMS. You might throw in web pages and CSHTML files. And uh, then you might want to do some client-side data binding, put in Knockout. Someone might say, well, that's that's a hybrid application. You know, you're building some kind of Frankenstein's monster. But hmm. it turns out that that's how people do work. They use the tools that they need. So rather than here's a hammer, start pounding on screws, 
I want people to really think about this kind of rich tool set that ASP.NET has developed into and stop thinking about silliness like MVC versus web forms. Does that make sense? I was yeah, kind of a I, I, rant that I, I, I think your be. your main point is a is a really good one, which is people tend to think, "Oh, I got to choose one thing." People tend to think, "Okay, well, I'm using that, then this is dead." <laughs> I mean, we yeah, we they, think that yeah, way as developers because we think about what we're going to use, and therefore it's dead to us, so it's dead, right? Right. Exactly. Yeah. So and, I mean, you just yeah, mentioned like, the weirdest one I think of the bunch, which would be mixing MVC and web forms together. Which isn't actually weird at all, which okay. is so funny. Um, you know, there's so many sites that do that. There's so many people that do that. I mean, web forms, right? You've got this component based system that has uh, a very com- easily composited technique. You can, you can bring in a piece of functionality. It's going to occupy a square on the page and it's going to have both client and server side components. And, that's a useful thing. And if you want to do line of business applications or get stuff done quickly, that's a really great way to do it. MVC is a really great way to uh, control every single byte on the wire. But features that are cool in MVC also find their way over into web forms. Like web forms in .NET 4.5 has model binding. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you remember in 3.5 SP1, they got routing. Uh, web forms in 4.5 gets uh, unobtrusive JavaScript. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to see some really cool jQuery controls coming soon. Mm-hmm. There's there's lots of cool stuff that you can do in web forms, including HTML5. Now, some people might say, "Oh, well, you know, Scott's just trying to c- convince us that p- we should still care about web forms," and you know, this may be some kind of weak attempt to like astroturf the discussion around web forms. The point I'm making is, use what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of things to choose from. Right. But arguing about web forms versus MVC, it would be like arguing about, you know, regular screwdrivers versus Phillips screwdrivers. They both sure. drive screws. Well, and they both drive different kinds of screws. Right. Well, and, and, I would, and besides that, the Robertson is clearly superior, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> hex head. The hex head is obviously much better. No. Richard wants to get at this fight, man. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm all about the screwdriver. Don't go there. Yeah. Yeah, the the Robertson is the way, but let's even let's kind of move past that because I keep thinking in a I want to support the point that I think we meet a lot of folks when we're out at conferences that are building apps with web forms, and it's not just legacy; it's what they know, it's how they're productive, they make stuff that way. Mm -hmm. But most of the time, when we hear I hear about web forms MVC combined, it's a migration path. Mm, So, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I understand why people think that but I, mm-hmm. I i i don't think that it has to be a migration path a migration path implies that i'm going somewhere and i'm leaving behind something that i don't care about right and i i i think that that's an overly simplistic way to look at it um if you are migrating away sure yeah do your thing but the point i'm trying to make is use the parts of the tool that make you happy and work for your company and remember that it's ASP.NET underneath. Like this isn't five, six competing different products. Right. This is five or six subsystems that sit on top of a product that works quite nicely. Well, you know, and I, ASP.NET and would, is what is what folks are selling here. And they, yeah, in the end, it's all ASP.NET. One way or the other, the pipeline's involved. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the that is the lowest common denominator. 
That's that's the the base of the pyramid. Mm-hmm. And uh and and even and if you go down even farther, it's it's IIS, right? I mean, what what makes Node really run well on um on Windows? Well, Node run great runs great on Windows by itself, but if you really want like enterprise level Node, you put it under IIS, and then you get recycling, and you get you know a better process lifetime, and you get uh, multiple processes that can spawn off based on load. I mean, you get all of the cool IIS stuff, which is the same nice features that ASP.NET gets. You kind of get the idea, right? Yeah. You but know, doesn't it ASP. actually... And then you throw in Azure into the mix, which sort of changes IIS and the whole underpinnings to some degree. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Although, I mean, is that part of the story now that uh, I, I'm going to have a clear migration path over to Azure as necessary? Um, again, I, 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 I it sucks because I, I, I always, you know me, I always try to keep it real and I always try to make it really clear yeah. that I, I'm not, I'm not ultimately selling anything. Like everything in our group is free. You know, Microsoft just wants you to buy Windows. Mm-hmm. So as long as you buy Windows, you know, that's fine. I don't really care. So I'm not trying to sell one thing or the other, but I wouldn't say it's migrating over to Azure as is having the choice of deployment should just be a matter of picking it. Like if you looked at Scott's presentation five virtual weeks ago, he basically went file new project and made an MVC project and then said, oh, I'm going to publish it to Azure and then did. Right. And it, it didn't involve a bunch of, you know, machination to try to make the thing a, a special Azure thing. He just said Azure was a target. So migration implies a big deal while simply targeting a different place is, yeah. uh, so that Azure is just another web server you could target the same way you could shift from your testing server to your production server or, you know, and so exactly, on. Exactly, right. And, and okay. Azure has got like virtual machines that you can target. You can target IIS or you can target, you know, the classic kind of Azure services, the web services. It's up to you. But, you know, I think that Microsoft is partly responsible for this competition between the platforms because you just said it yourself. File new MVC project versus file new web forms project. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that that uh that I would prefer and I've said this many many times before. So mm-hmm. this isn't giving anything away, but I I I have said many times before that when you say file new project, it's too imposing. It's too scary. Mm-hmm. Because it impl- it implies this false decision that needs to be made. Right. Where someone's got to it's it's like I always used to tell the story about how Americans think that in Europe when you like turn 18, they give you a test. And they say, uh, okay, now you have to decide, do you want to be a computer programmer or a plumber? Right. And, and you have to make the decision right on the spot. And if you ask it wrong, if you answer it wrong, then it's over, right? You'll never be anything else. They always tell us that when, when, we're, when we're American high school students. They say, okay, you're going to take the SATs. And if you screw it up, you will never, ever be anything other than the person that failed the SATs. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And and that is the same implication that you get when you go file a new projects. It's like, okay, this is you don't it. know anything about ASP.NET, but pick one. And once you've picked it, it's over for you. Yeah. Well, they, I, I keep thinking, you know, Indiana Jones, you have chosen wisely. Yeah, like That exactly. or you burst into flames and disappear, one or the other. Exactly. And nothing good comes out of that. So wouldn't it be nice if you could file a new project and, and just see one thing and maybe like some checkboxes or something? I don't know. Because in the end, if you create a web forms project, there's no reason you can't add the MVC libraries in and start building MVC-based pages. 
Yeah, yeah, I suppose. So you Why think not? you think that uh, the evolution of Visual Studio should be that we shouldn't have to know our tools before we use them? Nice. No, I think that when you open up your toolbox, you should see a nice organized bunch of tools that can allow you to use them together. Yeah. Not knowing your tools means that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that the tool's a bad thing. I'm just saying that the organization of the toolbox when you open it up is very scary. It's like, whoa, there's a lot going on here. What am I going to do? And I and I think that that is uh, unfortunate. So then there's things that we can do to organize the tools in a, in such a way that they're not so frightening. Yeah. This portion of .NET Rocks is brought to you by our friends at Telerik, who bring you the Telerik extensions for ASP.NET MVC. The extensions bring rich UIs to your MVC application. These are just announced, and this time they're not standard web forms controls tailored for MVC, but native, built-from-the-ground-up MVC components. There's three important things to remember. One, they're pure ASP.NET MVC components. Two, they're based on jQuery. And third, and this is the best part, they're completely open source. Just go to www.telerik.com slash MVC for more information and online demos. Make sure you thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. I don't know. I, I think that, that fear doesn't last very long you know, once you start playing with stuff. Uh, it comes down to when you, when you have, when you're inexperienced with a piece of software, whether it's Visual Studio or any kind of software, having options is bad. But the more experience you get, you want to see those options trickle in and you want to see, you know, if I've done a WPF application, I should have the option to do it again. You know what I mean? But it's, but it's, to, to me, it's just a matter of overwhelming the user at the beginning of their learning curve. Um, and, uh, that's, that's all there is to it. I think once you get comfortable with any software, you want those options to be there. Right. So I want someone to be able to say, file new project, ASP.NET, pick web forms, and then later on go, ooh, I need some signal R. Mm-hmm. Ooh, oh, I need this section of the site to be MVC, and I want a mobile site over here. That's what I want. Yeah. A little bit different. So I think we'll get there. That's, new, you know, new, we kind of have that with NuGet now, but I, I want to make it more formal. New Silverlight 5 app, for example. Well, I, I would like someone to say new whatever app and then click a bunch of checkboxes like a cafeteria. You know yeah. what I mean? Sometimes you want to mix this kind of food with that kind of food. So Silverlight 5 just shipped? Uh, yeah, Silverlight 5 shipped, and also um, Pete Brown's book on Silverlight shipped. Ah, very cool. Nice. Yeah, we, ha- we had him on not that long ago. Yep. Oh, you did? Oh, cool. Pete's awesome. And I guess that's you know a logical question now is Silverlight five Silverlight versus which also runs against ASP.NET. You know where does that fit in the equation these days? Well, I, I wrote a, a a blog post about this a while back where I just said Silverlight versus HTML five one man's opinion, mm-hmm. and my my general perspective was uh, pretty straightforward, and it was frustrating because a bunch of people were like. You just said it depends. Well, and it's like, well, it kind of does, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. It kind of does depend. That's why it sounds like that. But the general idea was there is stuff to even today in the future where we're coming at you from that you cannot do in HTML5, right? Mm-hmm. If you want a high quality, smooth streaming, DRM'd, DVR, digital video recorder with a video stream, high def that you can fast forward and pause in time. 
you can't do that in HTML5. Yeah. That, and when you say that, oh my God, he's blas- blasphemy. How dare you imply that something <laughs> cannot be done in HTML5? Yeah, HTML5 well, can do anything. Don't you know nothing? Yes, of course. You can do, yeah, you can make, you can, you can do Pac-Man entirely in HTML5, right? You can make, <laughs> you, I ported, I ported Doom to JavaScript, of course. <laughs> Somebody did that. That's just of wrong. Course of course they did. Stop that. But, is that the benchmark of make, evolution, really? Doesn't make it okay, though. No, but seriously, <laughs> there are a bunch of things that you simply can't do because it's just not in the spec. It's just not something that HTML5 video tag is into. So right. if, so silver, so the point is that Silverlight is great for that. And, uh, Flash does some, some DRM video type stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that if you need that for your business, then you should use Silverlight. So and then at some point in the future, if HTML5 supports all of those features, then use HTML5. The, the water level rises. So Silverlight 1 comes out, big announcement. Silverlight 2 comes out, 3, 4, all big mix, you know, great big events. Silverlight 5 comes out, no event. Is it just that because they did build this year, they blew all their, Microsoft blew their conference budget, and so there was no leftover for a Silverlight <laughs> announcement conference or something, or...? <laughs> I, I don't know. It was probably a matter of not wanting to announce two things at once, but I, that's way, way above my, my pay grade. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know. It is kind of funny know. though, isn't it? That, that they had this, the, this one. Well, no, no, that, of that, multiple conferences. Well, usually there's a mix, you know, to announce a new version of Silverlight or, or some sort of conference where it's rolled out and there's a great big keynote and, you know. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. There wasn't, it wasn't a convenient time to do it, I guess. I mean, mm. wait for the holidays, wait until, wait until next March. I have no idea. They said it would be out this year and they're just about out of year. So they, you know, they made it out in 2011. Yeah. They missed the conference yeah. window. Yeah, they got that going for them. Okay. Yeah, I don't know about conference planning and stuff like that. But it still said we, ha- we, we have this sense of the right way to build an app today. And this is a debate we've been having quite a bit recently, just around, do I build my apps in HTML5? Do I use a plugin? Do I go native? Mm-hmm. You know, in the Windows 8 stack, we've got all those choices. Even in the mobile stack, you know, there seems to be this movement of everything should be HTML5 versus building native apps on each of the, the uh, mobile devices. Right, right. I actually did a post about this uh, a couple weeks ago where I compared kind of the app hell that I'm in on my phone with uh, 1990s CD-ROMs, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. back back in the day, we didn't have enough bandwidth to send this big bunch of, like, this island of richness down, so we would use the fastest bandwidth that we had, which was the UPS guy. FedEx. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? SneakerNet has really, really high bandwidth. Yeah. And I, I'd like to point out, I had a, an event this year in 2011 where the yeah, correct yeah. answer was to ship four terabyte hard drives overnight that mm, try seriously. and transmit that you, data. You can measure the megabytes per second if you go and ship a multi-terabyte hard drive overnight yep. with FedEx. It's extremely, it, it's, extremely high bandwidth. Yeah, it's fast. There's awfully long buffering times, but... <laughs> uh, la- the latency <laughs> sucks. The CRC's yes, not very, so very good. High latency. Yeah. But yeah. So, <laughs> in the 90s, that's how it happened, right? And then what would happen, though, is that you would get your copy of, like, Diablo on a CD, and then you'd have to go and log in uh, over X modem with your 14.4 modem and then wait to download a patch to the thing. 
And even on like the iPhone today, I still have to hit like update now and there's no patch mechanism. It has to yeah. bring down the entire thing again. And then all the Android people are like, we can auto update. And I think the reason that the iPhone people don't auto update is because of bandwidth concerns, right? They don't want to bring down another gig of infinity blade. That's going to be uh, a non-patched but automatically updated uh, thing. Right. So my my argument was that we should start uh, thinking about how to optimize our updates for for users. So when you were saying how do we write applications right now, whether you use a plugin or whether you use XAML or whatever, I just think you should optimize for being able to quickly update the the application with bug fixes. If I could just interrupt you guys for just a second. We uh, have some business to take care of. Oh, hit me. We got a winner from the .NET Rocks fan club of a Telerik Ultimate Collection. Awesome. And uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, every show we're going to be giving away a Telerik Ultimate Collection. And, you know, sometimes we'll give away other stuff from sponsors or swag or whatever we can find. $2,000 worth of software. Yep. So every show we got one of these. And Mike Dennis is the guy. Ooh, Mike, Mike Dennis is the Mike. winner today. Just and, for uh, signing up. He was picked at random from all the .NET Rocks fans. If you want to be a fan, go to .NET Rocks.com slash fan page dot ASPX. Sign up and uh, you get swag. Nice. Free stuff. It's good. You like free stuff. All right. Let's get back to the show. Uh, you guys were talking about the frustration of updating your app. I've realized now that every time I plug in my phone 7 at night, I hit the marketplace and, and get the updates because there's updates every day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but it, I mean, at least it's, it's nothing more than go get the updates for all the apps, walk away. Yeah, that would but be you, nice. But, but you have it's to the entering of that. your password that's a frustration. I always have to enter my password, though, say update. Right. And, and you don't want to update the app when you go to use it, which would be the usual time for a lot of PC based software. You go to run the app, it goes, oh, there's an update and goes and gets it, which is the most annoying thing of all time, especially when you're on the road. Right, right. Well, don't tell me to update an app right when I'm ready to use the app. Yeah. That's why I like paint.net. Paint.net has this thing where it's like, um, there's an update, but um, just I'll go ahead and update it when you exit. Nice. Like when you're done working, then I will update myself. That's very thoughtful. Mm -hmm. So my, my whole kind of screed on my blog was less about apps and HTML and more about trying to get out of the user's way, get them the update that they want. And right now, the web is a really great way to to do updates. But like even Serverlight, like when was the last time you actually had to think about updating your version of Serverlight? It just happens automatically. Mm -hmm. But I cannot remember the last time that I rebooted my machine and didn't update Flash. No, it's mm -hmm. every time. Like, That's a guarantee. Yeah, you reboot your machine, guaranteed. Adobe has first priority, followed right. by Java. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Dude, I've got like 126 versions of Java. I don't even know what version. I don't even know why I use it. Yeah, that's like, what's the problem. Left? I don't know. Like I, don't I know. might like, like I might suddenly decide to visit like a university website and try to do some you know interactive math graph because that's like the last time I did anything in Java. It was <laughs> oh jeez, try, trying to simulate a TI calculator or something like that. Oh, yeah, I have Java. Whew. Thank you, Java. <laughs> that was nice of you. Now go away. Get off my computer. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, finally, I can see that physics simulation that could not have been done in anything else other than Java. Uh, nice. But you know <laughs> what I'm saying, though. The yeah. point is, don't don't hassle me for updates. So if you're going to build an application today, what kind of application is it? Right? Is it going to be a game? Does it need native access to things? Then do it. Do it native. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be a game that doesn't need super high 3D stuff? 
do it and do it in whatever makes you happy, right? Do it whenever your intellectual property is. If your intellectual property is in, in XAML, then you're going to be pretty well off, aren't you? Because you've got XAML in Windows 8 now, and you've got half dozen different ways to do XAML. So Silverlight or not, uh, I think XAML is a thing, and HTML is a thing, and JavaScript's a thing. So you got two angle brackets and a curly brace, and as long as you've got those under control, you'll be fine. I think the biggest element of this still is people won't pay for web apps, and they will pay for apps they install. Even and if it's 99 cents. Really, they won't pay for them yet. But if you look at Evernote, a lot of people pay for it and don't use the apps. And if you look at rememberthemilk.com, uh, a lot of mm-hmm. people ended up uh, paying for that. So I think that those are web apps that have a native component. But if you look at it all up, it's a service. And I don't mean that like a web service, but it is a service that is provided. So people will pay for a great service of which one component is a web app. I think the way to look at this is historically. You can't think of what people do now as the way they will always do things. I mean, if that was the case, you know, the the iPhone and the iPad pretty much invented the App Store, which is a whole new source of revenue from what anybody ever expected it to be. And it turns out to be a great source of revenue. Just because people don't pay for web applications now doesn't mean they won't. It just well, means, and here's the fun thing though that yeah. if they don't know it's a web app, maybe they'll pay for it. Right. Well, if it yeah, right. the, the, fa- the, the duck <laughs> theory, right? It does what I yeah. want it to do. It looks like an app. It smells like an app. Quacks like an app. Well, and some I think the people at PhoneGap would argue that people are in fact paying for web apps, and they're written in PhoneGap, and you don't know that they're web apps. Yeah. Because the only thing that's preventing mobile Safari from making web apps look like real apps is mobile Safari. That's and right. The will to do it. Yeah, make the browser go away. And, you know, I think Win 8's kind of nailed that. That the icon for your uh, your link or your your favorite is the same as any other widget on Win 8. And when you actually go into that IE 10 Win 8 browser, there's no Chrome. You don't know it's a browser. Mm-hmm. You're just there. Android's the same way. I mean, you know, it's kind of disruptive in a way to Apple. Just and that's not bad. Mm-hmm. All right. Should we completely derail the show and uh, answer all the questions on Twitter? Yeah. Wasn't that what we just did? No. They, we actually talked about technology. I've got questions oh. here about your hair. I, I didn't realize we were still on. I didn't realize we were still on the rails. Ah, uh, no, no. I think I don't even know. I I answered the hair question for you because I know you have a Floby. But uh, uh, what? <laughs> I'm shocked. Who has a Floby? What's going on? I'm <laughs> looking just, at I'm looking at Twitter now. This is not good. This I is going presumed badly. you had a Floby. So I just you know when the guy asked how you do your hair, I said he's got a. You talking about me or you talking about me you. or Carl? Oh, no, no. you, Carl. The Franklin oh, Franklinator does not have a Floby. <laughs> that is that is. I have a stylist. Nice. Do you want a name? <laughs> I don't have a barber. I have a stylist. Uh, Seth Juarez says Star Wars or Star Trek, and why? Uh, Seth Juarez needs Star to find Wars. something else to do. Yeah. <laughs> Does he have a job? Firefly. Ah, uh, you're killing me. Firefly, which means you're really a Star Trek guy. Because Star Trek, Star, Firefly was the new Star Trek if they hadn't wrecked it. No, I know. I, I, I just, uh, I'm afraid that George Lucas has just ruined it all for me. Well, I'm with you. I mean, and deep down, I'm a Star Wars guy. That's the original epic. But, you know, the serial story is a great story. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, and and Firefly makes me cry too. And Josh Whedon having a hissy fit over it and, and ruining it further didn't make it better. Mm-hmm. Dude, I'm looking at Twitter here. There is a like two dozen questions here. Oh no, it's, and, it's, and I just love that it's all content free. Like that just well, cracks let's, me let's up. Well, let's go through the let's go through the content free ones as quickly as we can. Uh, I don't know that we can actually do that. Uh, favorite character from Glee. There's a content free question. <laughs> favorite character from Glee, Puck. Puck. Oh Puck. right, of course the haircut. Course. Yeah, I know you. The one with the good hair. He has. It always goes back to the hair thing, right? You're really concerned about hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is a good one. How many times has Hanselman been fired for being too outspoken? There you go. I usually get slapped about twice a year, sometimes no. three. I got nailed about a month and a half ago. And is it just done all in email? Or are you actually called to a carpet? Do you go into a darkened room? Is there a paddle involved? Usually, what ha- the way that you get slapped at Microsoft is that someone emails you and then CCs your boss. Right. And the, it is the CCing of your boss. And depending on how many bosses up, they decide to bring people in. So, like, if they email you and CC your boss, they will write the email as if it were directed to you, but it's really directed to your boss. Mm-hmm. And they'll say, like, you did X, Y, Z, and it made me feel like this, and I think that you're out of line, and you need to stop doing that. CC'd your boss. Nice. Um, the ones that are really bad is when you're CC'd, and their boss is on the two line, and it's, like, three bosses up, because they yeah. just decided to start going click, 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 and then, like, collected your bosses as a group. Yep. And then emailed them collectively, and then you're lucky that you were CC'd at all. But the really, really good ones are when they <laughs> CC, like, your general manager, and then they BCC you. Right. And that's just mean. I want you <laughs> <laughs> I want you to see that I'm mailing your boss's boss's boss. Yeah, exactly. But and you have no control. And the BCC, that's our way of saying you'll never see the reply to all. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty bad. When he when he replies, you're the only way for you to find out what that reply is is to go ask him. In fact, yes. So that is the answer to uh Twitter user Frederick Mork who asked that question. <laughs> Surfing the web. Yeah, you ever try to surf the web on your phone? It's a little small. Especially when you're looking at a big list like the new feature list for Active Report 6. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we've been using it for 15 years. You know, the coolest new feature, I think, is the new Silverlight Report Viewer. What's cool about it, of course, is it's both native Silverlight for printing, but it's also got PDF support. So that really minimizes the amount of data that has to come over the wire. Makes it a lot more efficient. Well, we've been looking for a good solution for Silverlight data viewing. Yeah, it's a great product. I, I think I'm going to order it. Not on that. No, not on here. I'll go to my desk first. Active Reports from Grape City Power Tools. Smarter components for smarter developers. Listen to this tweet from uh, Matt Rock. Getting an IM from Scott Hanselman and an intro to Rich Campbell is like my daughter getting the same from iCarly and Justin Bieber. <laughs> I think... Scott's Bieber, though. We'll have to go with that. I, I'm yeah, prepared yeah, to be yeah. iCarly. Yeah, I emailed I emailed him and asked him to... I he, I wanted to introduce you guys, Richard, because he's got something cool for you to see. Yeah, I saw the email. I, I've it's got a little re- bit long. I was going to email him afterwards and say, your email was too long. Richard's a very important <laughs> man. Make your emails shorter. <laughs> fewer, fewer notes. There's too many fewer notes. Fewer notes. Fewer notes. Do we... Uh, uh, you, what, should we do the work-life balance one? That comes up the most of this stack because you're famous for it. For having no work-life balance? 
Yeah, yeah. You know, work-life balance is perfect. You only work half the day, 12 hours. It's easy. <laughs> yeah, I mostly I'm just hang around. Exactly, yeah. That, that's Lino Tadros's line, but it's, it's a worthy steal. Did you ever... Oh, it's totally true, yeah. Did you ever think this would happen the way... How much you're working now after reading the four-hour work week? You're like, dude, where's yeah, my four-hour four work week? <laughs> the four-hour work week That guy was, was full of shit. <laughs> he, he, he works a lot. <laughs> I've inter- I interviewed that guy for the show. It's yeah, clear he saying. works a lot. He just, the four hours that he works a week are the four hours he doesn't enjoy. That's the four hour work week. <laughs> right. That's what he actually considers it. Well, Nino, there you get to the truth of the matter, which is we would not be working as much if we weren't having a blast doing it. Yeah. I suppose you're right. Yeah. That's, I get that's tired, though. I get tired, though. I, I'm, I'm, I need to take a break. And that's really nice because it's, 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 it's Christmas in the past right now. And uh, I'm going to <laughs> How was yes, your Christmas, how, how, by the way? It was lovely. It was, it was awesome. <laughs> Love it. it so nice. Uh, Zen Stewart. Uh, what would benefit my career more, learning MVC or changing my name to Scott? <laughs> Probably changing your, change your name to Scott. No question. Un- <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. This is, this is not a good use of anybody's time. We should have just made this a geek out show. My goodness gracious. Will Microsoft ever open source ASP.net? Rick Shaw. Well, Microsoft, I, I, I continue that, that continues to be my goal. And <laughs> really? if I did, no, I'm, I've been telling, I've said that for years. Really? This is his next slap I, if down if right I, here. And if I didn't, if I didn't think it wasn't possible someday, I would probably quit. Wow. Huh. Wow. Well, so, and it, and so I don't know, I don't know if it will happen, uh, in the past or in the future, depending on when this show is, uh, if this show airs in 2014. For that matter, then, the whole uh, .NET framework, why, you know, well, you got to do one piece at a time. Remember that these, <laughs> why, would one, were written. why would you just do the web piece and not everything else? Patent scrubs. Yeah, you got to go back and make sure. You got to go one piece at a time yeah. and make sure everything's the, cool. This is a legal exercise, not an intent exercise more than anything. I mean, they give the thing away. They do. Oh, it's totally a legal exercise. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we give the source code away. Yeah. Right. It's not the open sourcing. It's the it's the take backs. That's the hard part. Yeah. Getting it so you could submit. I mean, we could, as far as like, could we open source it? Well, we, we, we opened the source. True. Right. It's, it's certainly source opened. Mm-hmm. It's just that you can't do anything with it. So real open source is, is Carl Franklin sending a pull request and us updating the framework with Carl Franklin's bug fix. That is the dream. And that's right. why I continue to work here. Christian Bass so, says, do you know about the option explicit clown in your latest tech pub video? Oh, God. Yeah. Christian. Christian gives me chocolates every time I go to Belgium. And uh, he gives me a chocolate every time I say visual basic in public. <laughs> and he, and he, this is a true story. And he counts them up. And then when I go to Belgium each year, uh, I come through customs. And then he comes in in like a black trench coat and then slips me several pounds of chocolates for all the times that I've said visual basic, visual basic, visual basic in any kind of uh, press type of situation. You just got four and more, actually. He, he yeah, has, Mr. Diabetic. Right. He, he, he has this, this imaginary friend, which is the visual basic clown that, uh, that pops up around. It's like a piece of toast that kind of like jumps up on the screens. And he thinks that he saw the visual basic clown in my recent video, oh. which I did for Tech Pub, which we should totally, this is like a talk show, right? We should, sure. uh, we tell should us, pimp my video. Tell us about it. So, uh, I did a video for Rob Connery, uh, at Tech Pub, T-E-K-P-U-B slash Hanselman. And it is a video uh, we call The Art of Speaking. It's a 
basically a technical presentation primer. It's 90 minutes uh, where I give you my tips and guidelines on how to put together a good technical presentation. Okay. And then what happened was Rob Connery flew in to my house from Hawaii and said, all right, here's the deal. We're going to have you go and figure out how to give a presentation right here in real time. He gave me a topic I wasn't familiar with. I researched it, built demos, built slides, went through my thought process as I did it, and then presented it, and he recorded the whole thing. Hmm. So for anyone who is a person who wants to learn how to give technical talks, it may be a user group or maybe at work, go up to techpub.com slash Hanselman, and for the price of a couple of uh, Big Macs and a, and a latte, you can uh, hang out with me for 90 minutes. Well, and we'll add that uh, a link to that on the show notes as well because it, yeah. you are a really talented presenter, Scott. No question. Absolutely, about it. I I learned from the best, and that's you guys. Oh, oh come on, no, that's oh. sweet. But I'll, I'll also give you this: you bleed for your talks. I yeah. watched you ripping your hair out getting ready for the keynote at Dev Teach in Bulgaria. <laughs> I, I am pretty angsty. It's true. You I think little, Carl, yeah, Carl has seen me. There. Yeah, oh yeah. Friend. Freak out in front of dogs, but that's that's part of the process, right? But I've also seen him get more laughs than anyone else that I've ever seen present. I mean, you you get, you you work hard for the laughs, but I, you get I, them. Yeah, I'm I'm the Sammy <laughs> Davis Jr. of .NET. <laughs> <laughs> Hardest work. Mostly the eye. One man Rat Pack. It's the eye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, you, well, I'll give you the other thing about that, and I saw this commented on a lot actually around the Bulgarians is to the audience, that there was plenty of Bulgarian references in it as well. You put a lot of yeah, time Yeah, that's something I started doing in 2003 in Malaysia, and I've done it in every country since. And it's it takes a lot of time. It took about five hours. But I really think for an international crowd, it works. Mm-hmm. And an international crowd could be Bulgaria or it could be like Philadelphia. <laughs> you, you, you basically, you show up early and you find somebody. I usually grab, like literally I grab a random local uh, someone who's attending the conference maybe, and I see if they'll spend time with me. And I went through my slides, slide by slide. And like, let me give you an example. There's a joke that I tell with Scott Goo and I, implying that Scott Goo and I are like really great friends and hang out together all the time. So in, in the US, I could use like a movie poster like for I Love You Man with right. the, the guy from How I Met Your Mother. Or I could do, you know, I could pick any two celebrities that are always together, like, you know, Laurel and Hardy. But those kind of people don't translate to another country. So then I'll go and I'll say, just like for, this is just for one slide to, to be clear. I'll go to the other country and I'll say, okay, well, who is a local celebrity, a Bulgarian celebrity or a city celebrity who is always together with this other person? They're, they're like, you cannot associate the one celebrity without the other. They're like a buddy, like a, like Danny Glover and Mel Gibson. Right. And we'll go around and around and they won't understand what I'm talking about. And I'll come up with a half dozen different examples. And then at some point it will pop and they'll go, Oh, blah, blah, blah. And Olga, they're always, da, 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 da. and I'll go <laughs> and I'll get a, you know, and I'll get a movie poster or whatever. And then that little 10 minute dance that we just did gives me a single image that then says more than I could have possibly said in any language for them. And I'll do that for probably, I think I had 80 slides and I did 15 custom. Right. So I did words in Bulgarian and I did posters and I'll do this for every country. So I've got like my, my information overload talk. I've got a, an Egyptian version of that that's specific to Egyptian with Egyptian Arabic and Egyptian politicians and Egyptian jokes. Mm-hmm. And it really, really helps you connect with the locals. It takes a lot of work, but I really recommend it, uh, 
it's worth the effort without a, without a doubt. And it's a challenge to, I, the, the toughest thing of all is actually coming up with a joke that makes sense locally. That is true. That is true. But if you remember that the joke is, the, is, is a generic thing that is representative of the human spirit and the joke isn't specific to the person or the celebrity or the picture or the whatever that you ended up picking. Right. Although in well, some yeah, cases he, there are jokes that don't translate, you know, yeah. and you just take uh, those there jokes are, And there are certain ones that, that always do. I found it doesn't matter where you go, traffic is funny, you know? Yeah, Problems with true. cars, sucks works, everywhere. It, it works everywhere. It, uh, it yeah. does absolutely work everywhere. Cer- certain ones work no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, uh, yeah your, it, your mama jokes don't work everywhere. Yeah, not so much, no. Yeah, I've discovered that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would think that the your mama joke would be a universal thing. It's not, not even yeah, a little bit. Yes. Different, there are different countries people. in the world where mama is not one to be insulted. Yeah, yeah, it, it, where, where none of that is funny at all. And that's a big, the bigger hazard is actually going the other way, where that's not only not funny, that's just plain old-fashioned offensive. Well, and it's, it, that's a really good point. And that's why, not only, even if I don't change a slide, I will still go through the entire uh, talk and make sure there's nothing that's a trigger. Right. Whether it be some clip art that I didn't think about or a politician, maybe I mentioned that I shouldn't mention. And interestingly, this technique that I'm advocating is not unique to me. It's very, very common all over the place in, um, in plays, in long running plays. I, I was right. with the kids in, in Disneyland and we went and saw the Aladdin show. And I've seen that show like three times over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And each, each time there's some probably three to five topical jokes that are put in there. Where they mention some issue that's happened within the last three to six months, you know, the Kardashians weren't around when I saw it the first time, but that joke was there the last time I saw it. Right. And, you know, it keeps it fresh, and it also is a callback. Uh, it's almost like a it's like a visual wink to the audience to say, "Hey, you know, I live in the same universe you do." Yeah, and it, and I'm affected by it. This is not frozen in time. Exactly. Uh, you know, when I think about great team ups that you've done, I think about the Ha Ha Show, you and Phil. Yeah. That just some of the stuff you guys have done on stage together, it was a really interesting dynamic. Yeah, and we'll still do that. Even though uh, Phil's at GitHub now, there's no reason that the Haha Show has to stop. Yeah, and I, and I got to think he's just not that far away, really. He's still working on the things he cares about. He, he didn't even move. He's just yeah. at his house now. <laughs> which is kind of sad, actually. <laughs> you know, and, and speaking of location, one of the questions in the Twitter stream here was this whole, you know, how hard is it on you to not be in Redmond every day? And I know you're up there a lot. Yeah, I just actually, I was up there earlier this week. In fact, mm-hmm. the, the, it's psychologically difficult because I feel like they forget that I'm out here. Yeah. Right. And I, you don't realize how much people will come to you and ask you for something just simply because you're the guy that they see in the kitchen every day. Right. Like you think you're so valuable and so important at a company, they don't care. Yeah. But they see you in the kitchen every day. So I'll go up there after like having been gone a month and someone will see me and they'll go, Oh, oh, you're in town. Oh, can you go and review this such and such an architecture? It's too late for you to have any substantive changes or help us in any way. We'd, but yeah, we'd love like, to see you how disappointed you are with this that if you'd only been here, you could have made it better. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, why didn't you call me in the last? month <laughs> they didn't two. know and they're like oh well you know you're they didn't see in the kitchen right. so that's I, the I, biggest I, part 
You know, I, I work, I'm up in Vancouver, so I'm not, I'm closer than you are to, to Redmond. Mm-hmm. And I've found, even though I'm not a Microsoft employee, but someone who, you know, needs to talk to a lot of Microsoft people regularly, if I just go down there and sit in the lobby of building 25, stuff happens. People see you and go, Hey, we should talk. And off it goes. Right. These, these I'm, kind of things just kind of happen. It happens. You know, I'll have a few appointments and I'll leave an hour, be- you know, half hour, 40 minutes between them. Mm-hmm. I'll just go to the lobby, get myself checked in with my ID and all that stuff, and then sit down, you know, with my laptop and do a little work and things right. will happen. And wait for life to happen and inevitably something good will, will go on. It's totally, totally true. I've even gone to the point where I'll pick a random uh, building. Yeah. And then just show up at that building and wait because someone will walk by that you know and they'll be excited. And then you'll end up connecting two people that wouldn't have been connected. Yeah, it's, all, it's, it's both, it's both incredibly powerful, but also extremely frustrating. Cause it's like, yeah. I'm one click, I'm literally one click away. Yeah. But they have to think of you and I have to drive up there. It's pretty yeah. irritating. Interesting problem. And, he, and well, and they get back to, if we want to talk very broadly about this, what would your career have been like at Microsoft if you had moved to Redmond? If I had moved to Redmond, I, it, I would have, one challenge would have been separated with another challenge. So the right. challenge is right now making sure that they remember I'm here and that they don't flip the bozo bit on me when I go up there and start ranting about community. Mm-hmm. I was in a meeting recently today where I just, not today, a couple days ago actually, where I just kind of went off and I could like, when you can start feeling the foam coming out of your mouth as you're like, you're not, <laughs> you're trying to explain yeah, you, to them like what community focus really means and caring right. about the other, you know, anyway. But if I was up there, I wouldn't have to worry about the, the challenge of being remote, but I would have to worry about the challenge of, you know, being insular, mm-hmm. having no real kind of idea of what was going on out there. You know, there's a lot of people, really, really smart people at Microsoft that have been there. 15, 20 years, but they've never worked at, you know, a large insurance company. Right. Or a big bank and suffered. Or, or and just I think gotten that, in front of customers in general. I have been asked at times by various folks that will remain nameless to uh-huh. help place their people at conferences as speakers so that the attendees will beat them up. Oh, yeah. So that they yeah can, I've heard that before. That they can actually have customers shout at them about the, you know, their mindset around those things because they can get very insular living in the Redmond bubble. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Funny, funny, but true. Hey, I don't know if you noticed, but we lost Carl. Really? Yeah, we really did. I think he's here in spirit. <laughs> he always is. That's inevitable. I'm, I'm still recording. Yeah. No, we're so all, we're all still we recording. He actually messaged me and said, Oh no, I've got to run off and, and do some, uh, some child minding related things. Well, so he just, so it wasn't that we to- lost him. It's that he simply left. He fled. Yeah, he ran. I think we were okay. Uh, one of the questions of the stream here was, "When's the next Hansel minutia?" Uh, Which is you and me. You know, we should do a Christmas. Why don't we do an end of year show? You want to? I can arrange that. Well, so this would be. This would have been three weeks ago. How was the show? Did you enjoy that? I think we knocked it out of the park, man. I think we it was good fantastic. At that sort of Best yeah, minutia ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we should totally do that, though. Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, shiny. Scott. Yeah, and now I feel like we should just do geek out shows periodically because it's entirely too much fun. And obviously the folks out there in the, in the Twitterverse like it too. So, you know, you know, there you go. this is, this is pretty amazing because I spend all this time working on, um, on making my show 
like have rich content and like I like hi how are you all right let's get right to it you know yeah but uh, these content free shows this must be what it's like to be you know to be on Twit. <laughs> Well, wait, I haven't shuffled any papers into the microphone that'll actually stay in the recording. Yeah. But, okay. Oh, well, hang on. Let me, let me, uh, yeah. So, uh, this, this just in, uh, yeah. I got, yeah, yeah I got it right it here. Is. Yeah, I got it. I got that right here. All right. This is also <laughs> nice. This is also good. Hang on. Let me Scott. just, uh, okay. What? Control, what? Alt, delete. <laughs> nice. Well, Scott, I think we've come to the end of another one. You're my favorite. Ah, uh, thank you. And we'll talk to you next time on .NET Rocks. Thanks for listening. And remember, Pluralsight.com is where you can get 200 free minutes of developer training online. Pluralsight.com. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.